0: Welcome to another gospel message from St Luke's Anglican Church, Clovelly. Uh, It's good to be together again, isn't it? Uh, It's good to gather. It's good to be part of this community, uh, which we thanked God for before. Um, uh, As Dave said before, uh, my name's Tim. I'm one of the student ministers here. uh, uh, And I've got the opportunity to open up Colossians with you today. uh, And uh, we're going to explore it together and see how it impacts our life. Uh, This thing has shrinked since this morning, so I'm just going to lift it back up because I'm not that sure. Uh, So how about I pray for us and pray for myself that God would work. Father God, thank you so much uh, that you have revealed yourself to us through your Word and you have revealed yourself to us through your Son. I pray that as we explore your Word this afternoon, as we uh, look closely at Jesus and what he has done... Uh, that You would uh, challenge us by Your Word, You would shape us, make us more and more into the image that You want us to be. Father, I pray for those of us who are exploring Jesus, that You would show us uh, exactly who He is, and for those of us who have been with Him for a long time, that You would uh, make Him more and more brighter in our lives this afternoon. Amen. All right. So, it was a long time ago now, Uh, But I remember in year nine, in my computer class, uh, we did like a different class every semester for year nine and ten. And in year nine, for the second half of the year, we did computers. And so in our computer class, uh, we stumbled onto a new topic and we were starting this new thing called programming, computer programming. Uh, and I didn't know much about it, but I was pretty into computers. My, my dad and my brothers uh, had got me pretty into computers. Uh, and so uh, when the teacher said, We're going to be doing programming, this is what it's about, this is how you do it, uh, it wasn't that quick. It took a little bit more time. But by the time I got to actually doing it, and I was like sitting there writing code, like matrix style code, i uh, oh, not that good. Uh, I, I loved it. It was awesome. There was like simple logic, which like, made sense to me. Not much else at school made sense to me, but like, this logic made sense to me. Uh, And it's like, awesome problem solving. Like, you had to really think hard about these problems and figure out exactly how to do them, but like, in really simple terms. I just loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, And so, uh, in Year 9, within like, a week or two of starting this new topic, I decided that I wanted to be a developer. I wanted to go uh, and and work for a company where I could just sit at a computer all day and, like, write computer code. Or like today's modern-day equivalent, I guess, would be like making gaming apps or something, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't end up doing it, so I don't know what it's all about. Uh, so I figured I had to figure out exactly how How am I going to get there, what steps do I need to take. I, I had to finish the HSC, uh, big step number one, I had to get into uni, I had to like, go to uni and finish a degree, uh, I had to get a job... Uh, in the industry and like work my way up so I got like the sweet dream job where you're like in charge of figuring out how to do these things uh, and then from then on it's like just live the dream yeah uh, that's how these things work um, I knew exactly what my next steps were e- even if they m- may have been a bit unrealistic uh, and I always looked what was the next thing I had to achieve What was the next thing I had to do uh, to progress on my journey to become a developer now Things didn't quite end up that way, I'm not a developer, I worked at it for a little bit of time but then I left and I went and did a ministry apprenticeship and now I'm at college but now I still look towards my next step, you know, I finished college in a year and a half and I'm looking at what comes after college. I think we all do that, we all look for our next step, maybe not necessarily in our career, although sometimes we do uh, look for the next promotion or maybe the next job at a different company or, you know, maybe your next step is to leave whatever you're doing and go be a farmer, I don't know. Uh, but, we, but we do it not just in our jobs, we do it everywhere. Like, uh, what's our next holiday? Or when you're on holidays and you've got like this super long itinerary, what's the next thing we're doing? You know, no lazing around by the pool, we're going to go on this tour, then we're going to go on that tour. Uh, we're always looking for the next thing. So here's my question for you today. What is the next step in your spiritual life? What is the next step in your spiritual life? I don't know if you've ever thought to ask that question before. Um, Like, I I don't know if I'd ask that question uh, of myself for a long time, but there are actually a ton of ideas out there. What is the next step in your spiritual life? Um, Some people say the next step in your spiritual life is to have some sort of spirit experience... Uh, You know, maybe like a second baptism in the Spirit, where the Spirit comes on you in power. Uh, Maybe it's speaking in tongues, or something like that. Uh, Other people uh, might say the next step is to become more good. Good, you've become a Christian, but now you need to become more good. So, do less bad, and do more good. Some people say the next step is to serve in ministry... Uh, and it's a good thing to do, Uh, but maybe you need to uh, start serving uh, in like a low role and work your way up to your like leading people, Uh, maybe that's like the path you need to take. Or maybe I'm just like shooting way ahead of where you are and you're thinking, I'm not thinking any of this stuff, my next step is just to figure out what Jesus is all about, you know, my next step is to figure out what this church thing is and uh, what are my options and, and all those sort of things. So, Where do you start and where do you move on to, right? What is the next step in your Christian life? Now, today's passage, I'm going to make a big promise here, today's passage will show every single one here, every single one of us, myself included, whether you've been on the journey for 50 years or you're just starting, it'll show every single one of us what our next step is. Big promise, I know, but it's right there in chapter 2, verse 6. So, uh, flick your Bible open. Uh, 2, verse 6 is on page 948, if you've got one of these uh, blue Bibles on your chairs. Uh, And I'll just read it for us. Chapter 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you received... Well, hold up. Therefore. One of the things I was taught, when I was taught to read the Bible properly, uh, was that whenever you see this word, therefore, you stop, you pause, and you ask yourself, what is the therefore therefore. Yeah, so, it's easy to remember. What is the therefore, therefore? Because this is one of those, like, linking words that links what has come before to what's coming next. So, to understand what Paul is about to say, Paul is the guy who wrote this letter to the churches, uh, to the church in Colossians, in Colossae. <laughs> there you go. Paul wrote the letter to the church in Colossi, uh, and he's said some stuff already and so he says, therefore. So, we need to figure out what he's already said. Makes sense? I'll probably explain that for way too long. So, what did he say? Uh, Well, if you were with us last week, you'll remember uh, we went through verses 15 to 23, so I'll give you a super quick summary. Uh, If you missed last week, jump online uh, and you can catch up that sermon. Uh, But verse 15 to 23, Paul, the author, he's pretty much saying, Jesus is God, He created everything, He's in charge of it all, and He died to bring people back to God. That's my very short, very inadequate summary, but that'll do for us now. Uh, So keep that in mind as we move on, but we're going to move on into the verses uh, that we're dealing with today. So come with me to verse 24 of chapter 1 uh, and Paul speaks about his ministry, or Paul speaks about how he serves the church, what it is he's doing. And Paul says his ministry is to bring people to maturity in Christ, bring people to maturity in Christ. So our first point today is Christian maturity comes from Christ being preached. Christian maturity comes from Christ being preached. So let's just quickly run through the first couple of verses together. Uh, so come with me uh, back a page to 983. Uh, we're going to look at chapter one, verse 24, where Bab started our reading for us. I'll read it for us. Now I rejoice in my suffering for you. Uh, sorry, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church of which I became a minister, according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the Word of God fully known so in verse twenty four Paul tells us that he is suffering in fact, as he 's writing this letter he 's in jail that 's not the only way he suffered. If you want like a sweet list of all the things he went through it 's not really sweet it 's actually pretty horrible. Uh, Two Corinthians chapter eleven, I think it is. Paul just lists all the all the things that have happened to him because he preaches Christ. Paul has suffered, and he is suffering as he writes this. He's in jail. But did you notice he's not feeling defeated? It doesn't sound like he's wallowing in his own ministry. He's rejoicing because he's not suffering for no reason. He's sharing in Christ's suffering. He's sharing in Jesus' suffering. Paul tells us that he's suffering for the sake of the church. The church that God made him a servant of, or a minister of. That's the word Paul uses. And so, Paul, as a minister, as a servant of the church, uh, which he is suffering for, he's given a particular role by God. And that is to make the word of God fully known. To make the word of God fully known. And he describes the word of God in another way in the next verse. um, verse uh, 26, or the end of 25, uh, to make the Word of God fully known, 26, the mystery. So, Paul describes the thing he has to make fully known as the Word of God, and it's this mystery. It's this mystery that was hidden for a long time, for a long time people didn't know what it was, but now, it's revealed. So, it's a mystery back then, but it's not a mystery to us, we have access to it, we can find out what this mystery is. And in fact, it's revealed to a particular group of people, his saints, uh, so you can just understand that as like Christians, God has revealed this, this mystery to Christians um, and it's freely accessible in His Word, the Bible, which uh, is part of what we're reading today, you know, Paul wrote this letter, ended up in the Bible, that's where we're at. Uh, so what, what's the contents of this mystery, you know, it's made known, let's, let's check it out, verse 27, uh, read it with me, to them... God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What's the mystery? Which is Christ Jesus in you, the hope of glory. This mystery is that Christ is in you. Christ died, He rose again. This brings forgiveness of sins, forgiveness available to all people, not just the Jews, but to all people. Every single person has access to this forgiveness Uh, and when you do access this forgiveness, when you seek forgiveness, you're reconciled to God, uh, the One who created everyone. So now, Christ can be in us. Christ can be in us. This is a message that gives solid hope, not a wishful thinking hope, but a hope that actually will happen, a hope of glory, a hope of eternal life with God forever. That's the message Paul makes known and at the heart of that message is Christ, is Jesus and so that's why in verse 28 Paul says, Him we proclaim because to preach the message is to preach Jesus, to preach the mystery, the Word of God, is to preach Jesus. So, take note here, if you're in a position where you teach the Bible to anyone, you know, uh, like a community group leader, kids' church teacher, youth teacher, um, scripture teacher, uh, chaplain or, you know, you're just reading the Bible with your mates or something like that. Um, Paul preaches Christ crucified and that's an example for us. We preach Christ crucified, nothing else, Christ and Him alone. And Christ is preached for a particular reason. Verse 28, Him we proclaim, like we already said, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, why? That we may present everyone mature in Christ. Christ is preached so that people would become mature. And so, for each of us in this room here, we must understand that maturity only comes through Christ, only comes through Christ being preached. There's no other way that maturity can come only through Christ. And so, if we return to our original question, what's your next step in your spiritual life? Let me rephrase that a little bit. How are you spiritually maturing? Uh, Replace next step with maturing, because to take the next step is to mature. Paul is concerned here for the maturity of the people uh, that he's writing to, the Colossians. Do we have that same concern for our own maturity? we long to be matured the way that Paul longs for these people to be matured? We need to ask that God would grow in us a desire to mature and then we need to ask that God would mature us so that we can continue to move forward in our Christian faith. Now, let me tell you why maturity is so important, uh, by way of a bicycle race, okay? Imagine the Christian life is a bicycle race but it's an uphill bicycle race, you've got to get from the bottom to the top, you get to the top, You're finished. If you stop pedalling for one moment, you're just going to roll down backwards. You have to keep pedalling, you have to keep pushing forward the whole time. There's no like taking a break, because taking a break is to fall all the way back down the hill, like crash into something. It's the same for the Christian faith. If you're not constantly moving forward in your maturity, then you're moving back. If you're not moving forward, then you're moving back. That's why dedication to our own maturity is key. Maturity comes from the message of Christ, and if we're not pressing into it, we're moving back. This means, for the sake of our maturity, we need to be really thoughtful about church. We need to really think hard about churches. Being in a church that proclaims Christ every week is such a blessing, and it's so important to your spiritual health. I'm really thankful that. I come to a church and we all come to a church where Christ is proclaimed every week. It's good, it means that we can mature and grow. And it's important for us to be in these churches and it's important for us to set down roots in these churches so we can be known and we can know others. Uh, Not just know like, I know your kids' names and I know what you do for work. I mean know like, I know what sin you're struggling with. I know what makes you tick. I know what encourages you that kind of knowing one another, that kind of community will push everyone to grow as we sit under Christ preached. Now, that kind of growing, that kind of community will not happen if we constantly move churches. If every two years we up and go to the next church down the road, we will never have those deep roots, we'll never have that community and as Christ is being preached, we're just walking out the door So, we need to commit to our churches. All right, let's keep moving on. So, Christ is the way to maturity, but, like, how is it that it's only Christ? Surely, you get Christ and you move on to something else. Like, you master Christ, now we're going to move on to the Spirit. I don't know, something like that. Surely, we don't just stay where we are. So, this brings me to my second point in Christ is all the wisdom and knowledge needed for our maturity. Alright? So, we're going to move into chapter 2 now, as we do, we see that Paul is concerned for the church in Colossae, to his writing, which he's writing to, and a church in another city, Laodicea, that's like down the street, Uh, and he's never been there, he's never visited them, Uh, his mate kind of planted the churches in those cities. Paul's not been there, uh, so he hasn't seen them, and he's concerned for them, he struggles for them, he struggles that they might be encouraged uh, and knit together. Uh, or an, another way to say it is to be united. So encouraged by being united, united in two things. The first one, uh, let me read the verse, verse two, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. So the first thing they're to be united in is love. They're to love one another, uh, which is part of that community I was mentioning earlier. As we love one another and get to know each other deeply. We'll push each other onto maturity and we'll be united. But the second thing they're to be united in, and this is, this is the thing I want to focus on a little bit, they're to be united in reaching all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery. It's a bit of a mouthful, let me break it down. Paul wants them to be united by their assurance. Assurance which is based on knowledge and understanding. Knowledge and understanding of the mystery, that mystery is Christ. Got it? United on assurance, based on knowledge of Christ. But where does this knowledge come from? Verse 3 tells us that it's in Christ. I'll read it for us, if I can find it. I've lost it, oh, there it is. Uh, In Him, that's Christ, or in whom, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ is all the wisdom and knowledge we need for maturity. Why is maturity only in Christ? Because all that knowledge, all that wisdom is in Christ. It's not anywhere else. And so in verse 4, Paul gives us a really practical reason why maturity is important, why that knowledge and understanding of Christ is so important. Uh, Paul says, uh, verse 4, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Paul calls this knowledge, this maturity, a vaccination. Well, he doesn't call it vaccination, I call it a vaccination, because it, it vaccinates you against false teaching. It prevents it from taking root in your heart, it prevents it from taking root in your mind and for you being swayed away by it. But Paul doesn't call it false teaching, he calls it persuasive arguments. See, Paul knows these guys are smart, they're switched on. Just like I know you guys are smart, you're switched on. You're not going to be fooled by dumb arguments, right? You're not going to be fooled when I come up and say, hey, let's worship the wheel, because the wheel revolutionised society. You're like, Tim, get out of my face, you don't know what you're talking about. We're not going to fall for any of that. The things we fall for, they're the plausible arguments. They're the ones with so much truth that it hides the lies that it hides the falsehood. So this means that we vaccinate ourselves against these plausible arguments with knowledge and understanding of Christ that comes from Christ. We inoculate ourselves against false doctrine. Uh, Back in chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, they make it pretty clear that the only way we reach the end, the only way we reach eternal life with God forever, is if we continue in our faith. Moving on from that to these plausible arguments, to false doctrine, to false teaching, is to give up eternal life. And so we need to be vaccinated. It's important we're vaccinated. And so this means we need to be people fully devoted to the Word of God. Fully devoted. That's why things like community groups are so important for church so important for us, for our spiritual health. Because it's in a community group, where you study the Bible with other Christians, that you sharpen your knowledge, where you discuss what the Bible means and uh, how we understand Jesus and what He says, uh, as we throw around ideas and argue what we think, we're sharpened in our understanding and knowledge. It's one of the great benefits of community, uh, which we were thanking God for before, as we're praying. Uh, And if you're keen to jump in one of these community groups, to be sharpened like this way, you can jump on the website and go to the Hub section, uh, or you can fill out one of those yellow cards, uh, and you can say, I I want in, I want into one of these community groups. Uh, So, so do that if you would like to. Uh, But more than just community groups, it also means we need to be devoted and dedicated to our daily study of the Bible. Daily study of the Bible. Now, I know that many of us get that we need to be in the Bible every day. Um, I hear it a lot, but motivation is so hard to come by. Like, it is tough uh, to see with spiritual eyes that the Bible is your lifeline. And so, we fail, I fail, constantly. And we feel guilty, and we don't do it because we're feeling guilty. And the motivation doesn't just pop up out of nowhere. Now, the good news is, In the Gospel of Jesus, there's forgiveness. We don't need to feel guilty anymore. We repent, come before Jesus, ask for forgiveness, and we're forgiven, which means we can hop right back on that horse. We can get right back into it, and we can start pumping that vaccine straight into our veins. I don't know how vaccines work. I assume you pump them straight into your veins. If not, you get the idea. And hopefully, I won't give you any actual vaccines. Dedication to growing in our knowledge and understanding is key to a healthy spiritual life and it's key to staying in a healthy spiritual life. Okay, so we've uh, summarised 15 to 23, we've gone through uh, the last bit of chapter 1, we've gone through uh, the first bit of chapter 2, we've finally arrived at verse 6, you know, where we started and I got like one word in. You thought that would take forever, wouldn't you? Uh, So, here we are uh, and we've come to our final point, alright? And the final point is, moving forwards is standing still. Moving forwards is to stand still. Now, I don't want to mix my metaphors, I was talking about a bike race and you can't stand still, I'm talking about something slightly different now. Uh, Yes, we need to continue to work on our maturity, but where we find that maturity is the same place, alright? So... Let me summarise this stuff so we can hit the therefore, yeah? Since Jesus is the Lord of creation, since Jesus is the Lord of the Church, since Jesus saves sinners, since Jesus is the way we grow to maturity through knowledge and understanding, therefore, verse 6, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Let me put it another way. As you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him. That's the next step for your spiritual life. That's the next step to move on to a greater spiritual life. Now I'm going to break this into two halves, you know. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, then we're going to move on to so walk in him. So let's look at that first half. Uh, How does the Christian life begin? It begins by receiving Christ Jesus as Lord. That is the first step. To receive Christ Jesus as Lord is to gain all the benefits of His sacrificial death on the cross, it gives you forgiveness of sin, gives you reconciliation with God, brought back into right relationship with Him, your Maker, your lifeline. So, do not look anywhere else to begin your spiritual life. It is in Jesus alone that you are reconciled. It's in Jesus alone that you're forgiven. And so it is in Jesus alone that you're saved. That's all you need to do. Receive Jesus as Lord. First part. As you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him. So if you've already taken that first step, your next step is to do it again, is to walk in Him. In him. It's not to move on to something else. Do not walk away from Christ onto something else. Don't think, I've got Jesus, now I'm going to get the spiritual experience. Don't think, I've got Jesus, now I'm going to move up the ranks of ministry. Also, don't think, I've got Jesus, now I'm going to get all that knowledge. The next step is to stick with Christ, to walk in Him, to submit to Him as Lord every single day. That's the secret to a greater spiritual life. Verse 7 gives us four ways that we can walk in Him, four ways that we can continue to do so every single day. I'm going to run through these four things uh, and speak about how, they can, um, how the rubber hits the road in our life, so to speak, and then we'll finish. So, verse 7, I'll read it, we'll go through the four things. So, uh, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So first, we're rooted in Him, right? Our foundation grows deeper and deeper into Christ, so that uh, when the wind blows, we're not moved. When those plausible arguments come along, we're not torn out of the ground to go somewhere else, right? Because I'm, I'm not a doctor who can do vaccinations. I'm also not a tree guy, but this is how I assume trees work. A tree, if you get a tree and you pluck it out of the ground, which apparently is easy in my illustration and, and you put it over here, that tree needs to regrow its roots into the ground, and you move it again, it's going to and you move it again. It's never going to have deep roots, uh, and it'll just I assume it'll just die or blow over, right? It will not survive. Well, it's the same with us. If we move on to the next thing and then move on to the next thing and never have time for our roots to grow, we'll just be blown over. And if we move on to anything that's not Jesus, we'll be blown over. So, dig deep into your foundation of Christ. Stick to a church that preaches Christ. Be committed to the Word of God. Be in a community group where you sharpen one another. Secondly, We're built up in Him, that is, we must become more and more like Christ, alright? Our maturity, our knowledge, love, they shape us to be more like Christ, they mould us to be more like Christ, more servant-hearted, more in tune with God's will for us, more obedient to God. So, we're rooted, we're built up, third, we're established in the faith. Now, when it says the faith here uh, it's talking about like the body of beliefs uh, that are the Christian beliefs all right so uh, the things we believe as Christians and so again Paul's saying knowledge and understanding knowledge of the beliefs that we have understanding of the beliefs that we have now um, there's a number of ways you can do this. I've already said be dedicated to the word of God be you know, committed to your community group, that sort of thing. Uh, another way you can establish yourself in the faith is to read a book, right? Read a book. I'm not good at reading books, so also you can read an audio book or listen to it, I guess. Um, I also had a friend who said his mum used to read to him all these books. I can't remember where it was. Someone at church might have said it. Maybe get someone to read the book to you. I guess that's like an audio book. Um, there are a number of great Christian books out there, you can, you can just ask um, a number of people uh, what a good Christian book is, uh, but I'll give you one. Uh, this isn't the easiest book to read, uh, it really pushes you in your thinking and your understanding. It's written by a guy called John Stott, John Stott, and it's called The Cross of Christ. Uh, if you have read it, uh, you'll know that it's all about um, what the cross is and how it achieves our salvation, and it breaks it down uh, and it's, it's a wonderful book, it makes you love Jesus more, it makes you love God more, it makes you appreciate exactly what Jesus does on the cross. Uh, it's a wonderful book, go and check it out. Uh, but it is quite a stretch, uh, so be aware of that, you're going to have to really think about it. Now, so we're rooted, we're built up, we're established in the faith, uh, knowledge and understanding, but that knowledge and understanding is not in and of itself an outcome, it's to lead to something, to maturity, but also, at the very end of verse 7, we're to be abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. Our knowledge, maturity, should make us be thankful to God. It was really helpful to hear Elsie earlier say that uh, part of what has happened to her at college, uh, where she learns uh, about the Bible and about Jesus and all those sort of things, one of the outcomes was that she's thankful. She's grown in thankfulness for all the wonderful gifts uh, from God. And so, every, every part of our maturity should be bound up in thankfulness. And so, as we pray, as we sing, and as we talk to one another, we should be thankful in how we do it. Thankful to God. Alright, let me finish. The next step in your spiritual life is simple. It's the same for everyone, everyone in this room, everyone anywhere. It's the same as the last step you took and the step before that. It's the same whether... You're just coming to Jesus, coming back to Jesus, been with Jesus for 50 years. Your next step is to live with Christ Jesus as Lord. How about I pray? Father God, thank You so much that You have given us Your Son through whom we have forgiveness of sins, we're reconciled back to You and we have eternal life. Father, I pray that we would, day by day, choose to keep Christ as our Lord, that we would submit to Him and His will and that You would help us to be rooted, built up, established and abounding in thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about St Luke's Anglican Church, please visit www clovelly.org.au